And our goal has been to systematize the book's teaching um, on the topic of wealth and money. Um, and so we began by discussing sort of these right and wrong heart attitudes as we relate to, to money. And then we discussed the, the right ways to pursue it, um, its purposes. We talked about the goodness of, of wealth and money. There's nothing evil in it. Um, and then last week we started to cover the righteous uses of, of money and, and wealth, the righteous uses of it. And uh, a major part of that is generosity, um, liberality. Um, so if you missed last week, I encourage you to grab an outline, uh, listen to the um, lesson online. Um, but we talked a little bit about um, sort of the treatment of the poor, how it's a God issue. Um, our, um, what we think of God, our honor of God is reflected in how we treat uh, the needy because they're made in his image. So all that was the, the previous weeks. Um, but I just have a few questions that throw out there that we still need to answer before we can wrap this topic up. Um, that's what I want to focus on this week and next week. And that is, what guardrails for giving does Proverbs and the rest of the Bible um, give us? I mean, are we just to give willy-nilly handouts to anyone uh, in, who, who, who asks for it? Um, and yeah, Proverbs commands generosity, but does it also give us guardrails to help us think wisely, strategically about how we give, to who we give, how much we give? All of these things. So I want to give a few of those this morning. And then the question is, what about the New Testament? How does Proverbs relate to us as New Covenant believers, these principles? Who are we responsible for? I mean, which needy? There's needy people everywhere, especially now in the age of TV and Internet. It is not hard to find needy people out there. Who are we responsible for? What are must-dos? And what are some things that are can-dos? Um, we have to get those things in order. Um, what principles are there to guide us? What are some New Testament motivations? Um, and that, that, that's really what I want to focus on next week. Um, so this week, you can see in your outline, we're going to be on numeral, Roman numeral 2. Um, and we're going to begin first with our pursuit of generosity. And uh, before really diving into answering some of those questions, I just want to give you a few more of um, these proverbs that are just meant to motivate us uh, to pursue generosity, to make generosity a priority in our lives. Um, and the first point is that generosity is paradoxical. So look over at chapter 11, Proverbs 11, verse 24. Generosity is paradoxical. Proverbs 11, verse 24. It says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. <clears throat> Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and he who waters will himself be watered. The people curse him who holds back grain, but a blessing is on the head of him who sells it. The opposite of what you would expect to happen to the stingy and generous is what comes to pass. Um, one would expect that the person who is loose-handed, going through life loose-handedly, he's going to be the one without anything, and the one that's stingy, holding tight to it, is the one that's going to have an abundance. The proverb says it's the opposite. Um, 
it's like a, it's like a bar of soap. Um, how many of you have tried to squeeze a wet bar of soap before? Uh, what happens to it? It slips out your hand. That's exactly what Proverbs is saying is the case with wealth and money. The harder, the tighter we squeeze to it, the more sure it is we'll lose it. And yet the looser we are with it in life, as we go through, just let it run through our fingers freely, generously, the more secure it would be. And there's some caveats that we're going to have to add on to that. We're going to see that a little bit later, but that is the, uh, the paradox that Proverbs gives us. And the question is, well, why is that the case? What makes this money work this way? Why is it such a paradox? And the answer is that God is the one that makes this a paradox. God is the one who upholds the moral order. God is the one that assures that generosity and righteousness will profit, and that stinginess and selfishness will not profit. God is the one that makes this a paradox. That's why with fools, they're fools because they live life in their own eyes, and life often does not work the way we think it should work, the way God has designed it to work. Um, God is the one that makes generosity paradoxical. And see the quote by the ESV Study Bible, it says, Because there is a God who blesses generosity and withholds blessing from the greedy, this paradoxical proverb makes perfect sense. And, uh, and that is why, just st- taking a step back, we have to go through life looking through the lenses of Scripture. Because um, if we don't, we're going to get things wrong. It is not how we think it's going to work. Um, we need the lens of Scripture to guide us, especially in this area and in many others. What seems right often is not the case. So let's dig into this verse real quick, and then we're going to move on. Verse 24 says, um, literally, you can translate it, There is one who scatters and is increased still. The word here is a a picture of scattering. It's a person who distributes freely and widely. Um, He's loose with his possessions. He's not unwise, as we're going to see in a moment, but he's not enslaved to his possessions, to his money. When a need arises, he is quick and eager to meet meet the need. It's not hard to find a place or a person who has not been touched in some way by his generosity. That's the picture. He scatters. It's scattered everywhere. Um, You can look back at uh, Psalm 112 in in your free time. It it gives this portrait of of a righteous person. And then verse 9 has very similar terminology. It says he has distributed freely. Same word. He's scattered. Distributed freely. He's given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. It's the same word here. And and interestingly, Paul uses this verse from, from the Psalms, this idea of scattering in 2 Corinthians 9, encouraging the church to give to the poor in Jerusalem. Be loose with your possessions, scatter them, be, be, be free from the love of money, and, and quickly ready to, to distribute them. Um, but look at the paradox at the, at the end of the verse. It says, and he is increased still. Rather than his generosity leading to his being in lack, it results in abundance. It's not just that he's going to get back what he gave away, he's going to even get back more. Is the, uh, is the idea. You can look back at chapter 3, verse 9 through 10. It says, Honor the Lord of the first fruits, and your barns will be bursting with plenty. So the question is, we've got a few issues we're going to have to work through, but one of the questions is, is this the motivation why we give? I mean, you've heard people say, well, I give because God's going to give back to me. 
right? He's gonna, I'm gonna give this because I just want to get more stuff in, in, in this life. And we know that's, yeah, it's not. We just know it's a wrong motivation, number one, because we would give even if we didn't get anything back. We are unprofitable service, like we talked about last time. Um, this is our duty, this is baseline. And yet God promises reward, so, yeah. One thing, a lot of times it's not the, the recompense of the, the give back that we get is not actually financial many times. It's, yep. it's more of a, of a spiritual blessing that just enriches our lives. We become more aware of how wealthy we are in God, good. even though it may not be, you know, dollar for dollar type yep. of thing. Yeah. Yep. That's, that's good, and uh, that's often how it, how it works out in this life, and you can see principles for that in 2 Corinthians 9, just the thanksgiving and the praise and the glory to God, the growth spiritually that's going to result in your life. And yet there is a financial component that we're going to see, uh, but it's not for this life. And we're going to get that to you in a minute. It's kind of so. interesting. <clears throat> just came to mind is looking at the, the promises there that you see. You know, I, I think it's, it's easy many times when we think about giving, especially when there's a need to meet, and it's like, okay, I can meet this need, but wow, it's going to make everything pretty tight for the rest of the week or month or whatever time period we're looking at. Sure. And uh, God's saying, don't worry about that. Obviously, don't give record recklessly. If I have $10,000 in savings, I shouldn't just give away $10,000. But uh, it's, 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 it's the assurance that, hey, look, you can meet this need. It might be a little tight, but don't worry, I will provide. Yep. I mean, I remember uh, yep. one time when I was a teenager, and uh, I was in the study playing some computer game on the computer. And my parents were doing, they'd always call it doing the banking every Thursday night, is what they did. And, uh, you know, I remember just overhearing a little bit of their conversation, and it's like, wow, you know, things are so tight. Should we should we tithe this yeah. week, or, or, or should we just maybe add this week's tithe out of next week's for next pay period's income? I mean, yeah. just, I don't see how this is going to work, and finally they came to the conclusion is, you know what, this is this is what it means to live by faith with our finances. No, we know somebody who has a need. We have the money to meet that need. Well, we don't feel like we have the money to meet that need, but we're going to give the first fruits of our income anyway. I'll tell you, the next day, somebody walked into the Christian Counseling Center where my dad worked and uh, said, Mr. Cartwright, God, I, God wanted me to give you this money. Handed him 10 $100 bills right there. It was way more than the ten percent that they were giving away, and it was just amazing to watch that principle in action. They, you know, they they, they knew it's like, well, what do we do here? You know, and uh, they trusted in the Lord, and the very next day he came through. You know? Yeah, that's good, and that that brings us all the way back to the beginning of the series, where this this temptation we, we have to fight with this trust of wealth versus the trust of the Lord, and it's yeah. and it's a balance. It doesn't mean we don't use our wealth, but it's a, a temptation to. Disobey God because we we're depending on this, and um, so that's that's good. It's a good example, and He's promised to provide. Yeah. And it might be uh, you will go through some hard hard trials because you were obedient. And um, but uh, but we we, we bank on these promises. And yeah, it's good. It's good. So um, so it's good. So we got a few few sort of caveats. I'm going to get to those in a, in a minute. But look, look real quick at some uh, some of these sort of recompense. It says that it's going to be. Uh, generosity will be rewarded. You're going to grow all the richer. You'll be blessed. But the, the one who holds back stingy is going to be uh, going to be judged. Um, look at chapter 22, verse nine. Just really quick. Um, first recompense for the righteousness for the righteous is blessing. Chapter 22, verse verse nine will result in blessing. It says whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed. 
as he shares his bread with the poor. Um, the word here for a bountiful eye is a good eye. Um, it's sort of a contrast to what we saw a couple weeks ago with the person with an evil eye. Um, the person with an evil eye is who? It's the person who sees a clear need and then turns his eye away. He make, blinds himself. He, he closes his heart up. And Proverbs 28 says that comes from a craving for wealth. He hastens to get wealth. That's where it comes from. Well, this is the opposite. It's a good eye. It's a person that trusts the Lord, that, that has a heart that's not devoted to money. And look what he does. It says um, he shares his bread with the poor. It's literally he shares from his bread to the poor. Um, the, uh, the picture is a person sharing from his own basic resources, from his bread. Um, giving is not a command for the super rich. It is a command for every one of us. Um, this person is to share from his bread. He's to labor and work hard to get enough bread to support his basic needs and then have enough left over um, to share with others. And that's the principle that the thief who stole steel no longer let him work with his hands so that he might have something to share with those in need. That, that, that's the picture here. And the promise is, is blessing. You can also see there's the promise of repayment. Uh, the Lord will repay this one. There's a promise that he will not be in want. There's no poverty, 28 and 27. And then in the New Testament, we get uh, the promises of the kingdom and the resurrection. Um, we'll come back to that in a minute. I think it's interesting, some of the language that's used, particularly in the previous passage we looked at in chapter 11, where it's, it's consistently, both Old and New Testament, when talking about giving, this analogy to agriculture, you know, talking about scattering, you know, just like scattering seed, watering, he who waters will himself be watered, you know, this, this idea of, it seems to be almost comparing the, the generosity of giving money and then the personal reward, whether that's financial or other, as, as a, a relationship to, you know, if you hold your, your, your grain or your seed back in your barn, it's only going to diminish because you're using it for personal use and not multiplying it, whereas if you spread it out, then it's going to increase through the germination process. And don't know exactly how that works financially as uh, as easily as obviously we can study the germination of seeds and, and 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 farming and know how that works. But somehow spiritually, you know, God makes it work in the same way. Not necessarily always financially, but certainly to meet the needs that the giver does have, but then bless them <coughs> over and abundantly in many different ways. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. We're just get that in just one second. So that's very Sorry, good. No, that's, that's, that's helpful. That's good. You're, you're, you're right on target. So it's great. Um, before we get there, though, look, look at the, the recompenses for, for the stingy that is given. Uh, they're promised a number of things in the book of Proverbs. One of the first things is, is retribution, um, just retribution. Look at chapter 21, verse, verse 13. It says, whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. Um, and last week we saw the person that hid his eyes, and this week we're seeing the person now that closes his ears. It's the same, it's the same uh, idea. It's a person that's devoted to his wealth. Uh, and this verse promises that one day he will lose everything and be placed in the shoes of the very person that he's overlooked. Um, now, th does this ring any bells of anything in the New Testament you've read before? <laughs> rich man and Lazarus. It's exactly the rich man and Lazarus. I, I have no doubt Jesus is thinking of this. Yeah. Um, because what did he do? He ignored this legitimate need that's in front of him. 
And what happens at the end? The tables are turned. The rich man goes to, to hell and perishes. And he cries out for Lazarus to come dip his finger in water and cool his tongue. And he's not answered. Um, and uh, what does that mean uh, for us? We'll, we'll get to that in just a second as well. But um, you can... Um, Look at Luke for that. Um, there's other promises. There's promise of poverty for the stingy. He's going to lose everything. David Hubbard said he who wanted to make sure he had more than he needed ended in complete lack. So, um, looking at, sorry, I don't mean to. Yeah. But looking at verse 13, it kind of, uh, I don't want to open too much of a can of worms, but I think something that I'm still working through in my mind, and I think especially in our culture, you know, we live in the richest country ever. That has ever existed in, in the world. The poorest of the poor in this country has more than some of the upper levels of society in the poorer countries. Where there's nobody, I shouldn't say nobody, but there's very few people, even though most of those below the poverty line, you know, they have three square meals a day, they have plenty of clothes, they've got iPhones, they've got a lot of the basic comforts that are way above and beyond basic needs. And yet there's still so many people claiming to be poor vying for our resources who, who have a little bit more. And it's, it can be tough to work that out, but I don't want to violate that that scripture That's at right. all. And because I want to legitimately help the poor, but I don't want my resources to go right. uh, in, into hurting those who seem to be poor. That's good. And so, yeah, we're going to... Uh, that's really the point of next week. What are the... What are the, the must-dos, especially as New Covenant people? What is demand? Am I responsible for the the, 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 the children without water in Africa? Oh, they're poor. They, they need, is that a responsibility for me? Am I guilty if I do not do something about that? I don't think so, actually. And we're, we're going to talk about that a little bit. Is it a can-do? Is it a good thing of Christian love? Yeah, it is. Um, but uh, but we'll get to that uh, next I'm, week. I'm thinking more so. practically. We'll probably touch on this next week. But the, the dozens, if probably scores and scores of people that have come up to me, you know, hey, I really need this. You know, I've got this. Here's my soft story, da 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 And, of course, some you can see right through, but some it's kind of like, no, this could be legitimate, you know. And trying, trying to wade through that in, yep. a, in a culture of, sh- of, of, high sh- of, of shysters. It's good. It's, good. It's, it's, it's hard, and that's why it requires wisdom, and that's why it's in the book of Proverbs. That's, yeah. it, it, it's hard. It's not easy. And uh, that's what we want to do. Give us principles to, to work it out. So, I think I mentioned yeah. before also about the government. You know, mm-hmm. we have a government system that caters to yep. a large population of people who are out to take advantage of the system. I mean, and, and, and yeah, and so should there be a, a place to help the, the helpless who can't legitimately help? Yeah, of course. Um, but, um, so, so, yeah, lo- lots of issues we could we can touch on. Um, real quick, before we uh, move on um, anymore, look at the clarifications. Uh, we've been talking about this retribution and this repayment. If you're stingy, you're going to be judged and end up with complete lack. Lazarus went to, to, to hell. I mean, a rich man to hell. Oh, for neglect what, what's this about? Is this salvation by works? Um, what's going on? And um, they know because we've been saying all along the past however many weeks that your works testify to what you truly believe, to what you truly love, and to what you truly worship. Um, the rich man in this parable certainly said he loved God. He certainly said he believed God. He certainly said he worshipped God. He was probably a Pharisee. That's who he was spoken to. But his use of money revealed that he loved his money and trusted his money and worshipped his money more than he did God and more than he did other people. 
Um, those whose lives are characterized by a love of wealth and empty, totally empty of loving others with their money, regardless of how much they have, will perish. Because they testify they're empty of love and faith towards God. And um, so the, the call is for us just to examine our hearts. Um, I believe all of us in here are, are, are believers and we give. And the call is to, to examine where is there any trust in wealth, any love of wealth, any stinginess in my life. Um, what does my use of money reveal about my heart? Just look at my bank statement. Look at how I use it. What does it reveal about it? Does it reveal I'm trusting the Lord? Does it reveal that I love God because I'm loving others? I'm free with it and generous. In order to reflect that, pretty devoted to it. Um, again, we're not talking about being unwise. Um, it's one of the guardrails, but um, overall. Look how Thomas Schreiner puts it. He says, the extent to which one gives does not merit salvation, but it does reveal what one worships and hence constitutes evidence that one has new life. Those who have money as their God hoard it and keep it from others. Those who genuinely entrust their future to God are free to use their material resources to help others. And so the call is for us to examine our hearts and to grow um, in this. So we're not talking about works here, but we're talking about evidence um, with this retribution. Number two, the timing of the recompense is often not realized in this life. And this is a huge point. Um, it's often not realized in this life. Um, it often doesn't work so automatically. I give that person, boom, it, it comes right back to me. My needs are, are met. May, it might. But the point is, this is the key. You might genuinely, truly have less in your life as a result of your generosity. You might genuinely have less in your life because you were obedient and were generous. Um, you may indeed not abound with money and stuff in this life because you chose not to hoard it up. Proverbs is not saying it's going to be hunky-dory because you're following Christ and righteousness. Sometimes uh, Proverbs says it's better to go hungry and, and righteous than uh, pursue wickedness and uh, have an abundance. <coughs> also, you're more, probably, yep. probably more rich. Spiritually. spiritually, it is. Yep. Sorry. Sorry. So there's, there's spiritual riches in this life, and uh, I think the uh, Proverbs, and especially the New Testament, point us to the life beyond. So, got a couple minutes. Let me hit this real quick, and uh, we'll get to these guardrails next week. Um, why is it reward in this life? Why isn't it immediate? So that's the question. Why is it not it? Is it not so automatic that I give and boom, it comes right back to me with an abundance? Well, I give you two reasons here. The first thing is in order to test what we really love. Do I really love righteousness for righteousness' sake, or do I love it just because it produces quick gain? I mean, if, if we did, if we obeyed, and it resulted in immediate uh, financial. Uh, Stability and multiplication of wealth and everything, it would be clear that what? I don't love righteousness for righteousness. I love it because it profits me. And so it tests us. The reason there's not an immediate return is it tests us. What do I really love? What do I really trust? Is it Christ or is it my stuff? Number two, why is reward not immediate? It's because it, it, the uh, reward must be received by faith. It's coming. It's coming in the kingdom. It's coming in the resurrection. That's what the New Testament is pointing us over and over. There's not 
a single thing you give in generosity for God's purposes that will not be legitimately repaid. Proverbs is not lying. There will be an abundance coming. There will be repayment coming. It's just not in this life. And you've got to receive it by faith. You've got to trust it. The reward is coming in the kingdom and the resurrection. And if you don't believe the promises of the kingdom and the resurrection, you'll have no motivation to give. That's the point. And the more we trust, the more we will have a motivation to give freely. So it's not as though we're just giving so that we can give back, get, get back. That's, that's, that is a wrong motivation. Because we're not going to get back in this life, but we do it by faith. Again, take us back to that verse in, in 2 Corinthians. So the one who sows sparingly is going to reap sparingly. The one who sows abundantly will reap abundantly. So um, <clears throat> that's how Proverbs seeks to motivate us. That's how the New Testament seeks to motivate us. How's it reveal my heart? And then, man, God is so gracious. He doesn't have to repay us anything. We never put him in debt. And he's so merciful. And he, he's so kind. He's promised reward. Um, We've got to receive it by faith persevere in this life. So next week, we're going to look at some of these guardrails for giving. It's on the back of your page. Chew on them. Um, think about them. And then we'll try to get in the New Testament as well and, uh, and hammer that out. But any more questions or comments? Um, you guys have a lot of, a lot of good insights. Uh, but definitely a, a huge topic. You can see it's not just a problem. It's that Jesus talked about it all the time, everywhere. Um, money is the biggest revealer of my heart. Um, and, uh, and use some of these opportunities the killings, the voyeurs um, bless them I'm not going to say it's a mandatory thing I don't think it is but I think it's a can do and it's a good opportunity to fight um, by trusting wealth and love for it, so. let me pray <clears throat> Heavenly Father thank you for your word this morning and how you have um, instructed us help us to be careful in applying it Father, we, uh, we love you and want to express our love and faith to you because you first loved us. Thank you for my brothers and sisters. Continue to help them and bless them. Prepare our hearts for the service to come. And may you be honored in Jesus' name. Amen.